Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. So we're going to get a little deep here, a little emotional for a second, potentially. But how many times have you been in a moment where you may have cried in front of somebody else? And then you say to them, I'm sorry, you know, I, I just lost it. I'm crying. Why do we apologize for that? That's the question, because crying and venting that emotional energy is so helpful and so powerful. And we're going to talk about all that today. They are finding freedom, life transformation, and they are life transforming as people that coach people along and, and transform their lives. John and Laura Erickson join us back again on the program. Hey, guys, how you doing? Hey, Steve. We are doing well. How about you? Doing well. Doing well. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Right, yeah. Right, yay, exactly. Yeah, you know, we're not crying about that, obviously, but when those moments come up, why why do we feel that guilt like we need to apologize, you know, for the tears that uh, that we vent? Well, it's funny. Um, I, I was watching, well, Laura and I were watching a show uh, this past week, and numerous times, three different people started crying in front of others and immediately started apologizing, like, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Like this never happens. Uh, like, you know, wiping them away and, uh, you know, kind of fanning their eyes and, um, quickly wiping those tears away. Like it's, it's, it's not okay for me to cry. Right. Like, I'm so sorry that I just did this in front of you. Um, when it's truly a gift to be able to cry in front of others, you know, and, um, people get embarrassed. People feel ashamed. And, you know, that's why we really wanted to talk about this today, because tears are so important. And, you know, Laura, you want to describe how you describe them? As a- yes. <laughs> so tears are a brainwashing for our, our mind, and it washes our brain with serotonin. So when you think about it, tears are actually kind of funny. Um, this water just comes out of our face, you know? When you think about it, it's kind of weird. And everything else that happens, like mucus coming out of us, other things that come out of us, like they serve a very clear purpose. We understand why when we get a cold, we have to blow our nose a lot. We have to use the bathroom. But it's weird. That water comes out of our face. And it's also intentional. The science behind it is that it releases, it tells our brain, I need more serotonin and it makes the brain create more serotonin which creates more relief or peace or happiness so the crying is actually a healthy mechanism that we were born with um as babies we can't communicate so crying says i need something and for adults it can be the same as well it can be um i need comfort i need to release this energy in my body I need to grieve um, and then the brain does its job after a good cry and releases that serotonin in our brain and distributes it in our body so we, we feel better after and we cry in this habit of not making other people uncomfortable because your original question is why do we do that and it's like Oh, I'm, I'm making them uncomfortable. I'm yeah. inconveniencing them because of my crying, and I shouldn't do that. That's bad. 
It is so true. Because uh, you, you feel, call it embarrassed for them because you don't know how they're going to deal with it. And more times than not, people don't care. Let it all out. It's I'm there for you. <laughs> you don't have to apologize, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, um, a lot of a lot of times, you know, like in session, tears that have been pent up for so many years, tears that, that a lot of times people didn't even know that they had uh, from just past traumas, um, they, they begin to be released. And I have seen numerous times, uh, especially with, with men, I, I rarely work with women, I do though, uh, you know, with men that, you know, there is... Um, there's shame behind it, right? And uh, there, there's shame behind it, right? Like, I am not supposed to be doing this. This is not what men do, right? Like, we had a, a, a men's uh, podcast a few weeks ago, and, um, you know, what it does, again, is, like, it can have two different effects until you get comfortable with it, right? Like, one, yes, it, it is going to uh, produce more serotonin and get that going, uh, and the other one is it, it, it's going to produce shame as well, right? Because uh, it's when it's new, when it's new for you, you know, um, and that, that's, that's natural and normal that it would produce shame saying, uh, I am bad, uh, as, as based on childhood, really, you know, and, and the culture we live in um, says that we hide that stuff, like we don't show tears. Right, and that's why people tend to apologize. And there's nothing to apologize for. I'm not going to say sorry to you because I'm crying. Like I, 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 I <laughs> some people may think that this is messed up. I love making people cry when um, I love pulling tears out of people with words of intention of intention. Right, like like these intentional words that hit these places that people didn't even realize were there. And then these tears just start to flow. And it's so beautiful because you see this freedom. It's so sad. I'm an ultimate empath, so I feel it uh, not, I can't say, as hard as they do. Um, I will feel it with them, though. And, and um, to watch those tears come out is so beautiful. And that's why I like the ability to pull those tears out of people because I know how freeing it is. You know, I, I think of how many times I sucked those tears back in because they just, they couldn't come out, right? Like, um, I was going to get beat up and I sucked those tears back in because I, I, I just could not let them out and they wouldn't come. And, you know, it takes intentionality from someone else to get them to come out, you know, and I've experienced it in mentoring guys uh, prior to this, but, you know, and, uh, just speaking life and truth and love into them um, and to a point where they're just sobbing, sobbing, and, and it's just beautiful. Do you think that people also cry, or one of the main reasons they cry, of course, grief is one, so we put that to the side, but loss of hope. I, I don't know what to do anymore. Is, is that a main, main driver for tears? I would say it's one definitely included, Steve. That's a really, really good point. Like, like almost uh I surrender I can't do this anymore yeah I don't even know what I'm doing or why I'm doing and we talked about holding on to hope um kind of in some of our in our talks and hope is the loss of hope is is also grief 
in a way. It's like I, I literally have nothing to hold on to anymore because I do not think I can change. I do not think my circumstances will change. I don't have something to help me change them. And, you know, it, it can come in all different levels of help that's needed. It can be so, so severe loss of hope that someone has um, suicidal ideation and they need to, to go somewhere residential to really work through things in a safe environment. That's something I wanted to bring into the discussion is that here's, like John was just talking about, begin to flow because people feel safe. They don't feel safe often in the world because culture says, oh, just be positive. Manifest your happiness. Like all of these catch phrase, catch things that are going on right now are all about like, if you just be positive, you're going to be better. You're going to feel better. And, you know, there's a little bit of truth in that and like choosing gratitude, choosing loving people. And at the same time, there can still be hope that is lost. And you can't positive yourself out of depression or loss of hope or many other reasons that people cry, like years and years of tears that are pent up that, that a person never had a safe place to let go of those tears and let them just come. Yeah. So safety is a huge, huge reason why people do not cry. It's not safe. Maybe when I was little, I got in trouble for crying. Maybe... Um, I never let myself cry when I was little because I was so scared of my parents uh, and how they would react. Maybe I cried alone. You think you know I, you're onto something right there, without a doubt, because a lot of this is placed in our subconscious. But what parent has not said the following words? Stop crying. Stop. It's okay. Stop crying. Well, what does that say to a five or four year old? Oh, crying is bad. Don't do that. Now, when you're a kid, it just comes automatically even after hearing that. But if you internalize that later in life, you may think that it's bad to cry and you bottle it all up and at some point it's got to come out. Exactly. You, you are so spot on, Steve. When I was a little girl, um, my mom listens. And by the way, we have a very redeemed relationship. And when I was younger, it was not a healthy living situation. And... Um, my parents would often say, stop crying. Like, right now, you have to stop crying. Mm. And I needed to cry because I was in an, in an environment that was not good. Um, and they didn't have the awareness they have today. They're incredible now. And I was one of those kids that, like, basically was told, you're not allowed to cry. And so I would keep it inside in a bottle and feel just constantly like I was going to erupt and eventually I did I kept it in till I was about 10 and then I started erupting in anger like angry angry I went back at my mom I was very angry and I went back at her with anger because tears weren't acceptable the so mind came out anger and we've talked before about how anger is really a secondary emotion and what's underneath it is sadness and fear so I came out anger because I was sad. I was too afraid to show the sadness to my mother because she would hurt me with it. Yeah. And it brings up just such a great point with the anger, you know, um, and the underlying how anger is a secondary emotion and fear and sadness is what's, what's really b b beneath that. 
um, reg- you know, regard however that looks for you. Uh, for me, it's usually sadness. And I remember being in my bedroom and I would, I would be so angry and I hate anger. Like I just hate it. Um, I really do my best to live life without it. Uh, I, I just, I just don't like anger. It, it, it still, it just triggers me. It, 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 what I learned as time went on was that it was sadness. Cause I always wondered when I was younger, why I would get so angry, so angry by myself, and then I would cry, and I will just start crying. And um, that happened so many times uh, on my own, by myself, and because uh, I just, that's just the way it was. That's just kind of how I lived. I didn't, I didn't know that it was okay to show that. And It was the only safe place for you to cry was a Yes, and, and that, that's, that's exactly right. You know, when my brother would, would hurt me and, um, uh, you know, I, 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 I would start to cry. He would, he would like cover my mouth and say, stop, stop, stop. Like mom and dad are going to hear you You better stop. Oh, and so boy. they suck right back up into my tear ducts, you know? And, so and he was, and he was the culprit of your, or the cause of many of your tears as, as you've told he, us before. He was a cause of many of my tears, which, um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oof. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and so it, it, it makes so much sense that I would get so good at sucking those tears back up um, and allowing them not to come out when they really needed to because uh, it wasn't safe. Like, it was like if I cry, then something bad, my body response was something bad's going to happen. I'm going to get hurt, you know, you know like, um, so it's things like that, right? There's so many factors, and apologizing now for those tears, like to me, for me, is un- it's, it's unacceptable. I, I, I don't do it because acknowledging those tears that they are okay. Like it is okay for me to cry. You know, Laura, she calls it a brainwashing. You know, and I love that. Like it's a it's a, in a healthy way, right? Like it's a healthy brainwashing, getting that serotonin going, freeing uh, ourselves of things inside that are just painful. And, um, I love it. I love when she told me years ago, um, early on in our relationship and she called it a brainwashing and I just loved it. You know, I loved it. Um, usually you get brainwashing and you don't love it. You're like, well, that's really weird. Um, in this case, it made a lot of sense, you know, like a shower, (laughs) a tear shower. Yeah. And Steve, another thing to bring into this conversation of like, why, Another answer to why do we apologize is, you know, we touched on trauma a little bit. And when I have a client or when John has a client that is constantly apologizing for either crying or, like, say we talk at the same time. They start apologizing very quickly. Um, But mostly when they cry, there is, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And their family members, if they're involved in their healing and I'm allowed to talk to them, they'll tell me the same thing. Um, My loved one is constantly saying, I'm sorry, when she cries or has a breakdown. And I I have to explain that people who have trauma, especially people who have, like, complex, meaning very layered trauma and different people who cause the trauma, they are apologizing for their existence. They are apologizing that they that they're even there when they cry that's how ingrained it is in them from their abusers to not to not cry 
that you're not allowed to cry about this. You're not allowed to say anything. So, and that's that's for children that are now adults with trauma, constantly apologizing for crying, which is actually apologizing for their existence, for for even being alive. Yeah, and, and you know, as Laura's talking, I, I remember like it comes to mind that it's also a protection mechanism, a protection of our loved ones. Like it's like they've been through enough kind of thing, right? Like maybe you've watched your parents go through just a lot of stuff and you're like, I don't want to burden them. You know, my tears are a burden and I I don't want to, I don't want to do that to them. So, you know, it's this protection, uh, protect my family type thing. And, um, you know, it's, it's, that comes to mind as well because we, 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 have the best intentions in mind of carrying it on our own and saying it's okay to carry this on my own uh, because we don't want to burden, which is just such BS, you know, um, but it, but it's true, you know, for pe- for people. You know, I know I felt that. I didn't want to burden my parents with more than they already had going on uh, when I was young. And, and so there's so many layers there and there's so many factors. So, um, protection is a big one. You know, we were just talking about it with a, a client the other day, and that uh, it's a, it, 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 they are protecting um, their family from any more pain, and they don't want to cause them any more pain. And what's so detrimental is they actually are causing them more pain because they're causing themselves more pain. And if they're able to walk up to their, their family members and, say, and just let it out, then it's actually a connector. It connects more than separates. Holding those tears, not allowing them out, separates, right? And, and you know, that, that's, that's not a good thing, right? We want to bring connection, you know, in this world, but let, most importantly in our families, we want to bring that connection. And um, protection is it's with the best intentions in mind, which is always great. And sometimes uh, the best intentions aren't always the best thing. Right? Um, they're, they're, you know. They're the opposite. Exactly. How do you know it's time to seek help? Let's say, you know, and we're, we're all saying the crying is, is so good for you. But at what point do you realize that, yeah, I, I really need some help now? That's a really wonderful question as well. Thank you for always challenging us. <laughs> I, don't, um, I don't try to. I just ask what I, what's on my mind. No, I, I, it's, it's a good question, and it's... Um, a frequently asked question like when do I need or when do I need the next or a higher level of care when it comes to crying um, if it's uncontrollable it's happening in moments where like you just can't stop it you're in target and you find yourself crying in public a lot when you find yourself just crying multiple times a day um, and, and you may go, I don't even know why I'm crying. That's kind of a sign. I don't even know why I'm crying, but I just can't stop. That's when, and there's no answer. It's like, I have nothing to be sad about. That's an indicator of depression. Um, first of all, it's like, I don't have anything to be sad about. And maybe this person doesn't know that they're struggling with depression, doesn't remember trauma, doesn't know what happened to them was trauma. So when it becomes interruptive in the life of a person when it disrupts their life and they're 
ability to function, it's definitely time to get to ask for help. Now, do you want to add anything else on that? Uh, and yeah, absolutely. Um, and also, you know, if it's if it's family intervenes, right? If if you have them, right? You know, uh, like it, family intervenes sometimes to to if they notice these things, um, you know, and they notice these trends, it, you know, I really think we should get you some help, right? And uh, it's so hard to find good help, you know, these days. Like, it just, it just is. Um, it's such a money pit, and people are numbers. And, um, but, like, an indicator of, of when it's time to find help is when you're, like, really just depleted backed up into a corner, like just fallen. And, and, you know, the word I can't stand is broken because people don't, you don't need to be fixed. So I just want to make that clear. Like if you, if you think or say that you are broken, you are not broken. You do not need to be fixed. That is what saying broken uh, uh, brings up. I need to be fixed. No, that's not, the, I need to be cared for because I am hurting. I am in pain and I don't know why. And that is when to the point of I need help. Like, I need to search, search out somebody to tell them what's going on. And ultimately, Steve, it's a choice. You know, it's a decision, especially for people who have no one, who have isolated themselves from the world, who don't know how to communicate these things. It's like, well, who do I call? What do I do? And Google search, and I'm going to put in, you know, so-and-so near me, right, and, and, and then make the choice to go and see them and find out what's going on. And if you need that inpatient care or if you need medication or if you need therapy, and, uh, which in these cases, if you're feeling like you're uh, quote-unquote broken, which uh, I like, can barely Even just to say it or hear it, it's just, it's, and I think we equate right. it to, like, like, when you go to the... Um, the auto shop. Yeah, I'm, I'm here because my car is broken. And uh-huh. a lot of times it's, it's, it's equated to people, but we're not broken. We, you know, the car can't fix itself. With help, you can fix yourself. We have it inside of us, but sometimes you need to figure out how to do that. Um, and you know what? I yeah. want to bring up another point, guys, that the healthcare system now is so overtaxed. It's hard yeah. to find therapists. It's hard to find it's it's like it, it's almost uh, to the point where it, it's close to impossible in many areas. But you guys are available. That's the that's the most important thing that you're there and you're willing to listen and and help people move them along. You know, through whatever it is, whatever they're crying for. You know, and that's a lot of the reason why we wanted to we changed our name to Life Transformation because we wanted to get out of that life coach umbrella because it's not really what we do. Right. You know, we do the hard work like we do the real deep work. Right. So. Um, that's just the umbrella we fall under in our business. So that's a big reason why we changed our name because of what you're talking about, because we do that hard work that we have done ourselves, that we have done ourselves. And we, uh, with, uh, obviously someone else, um, who did it with us. Uh, and, and, you know, it's a huge reason and go ahead, Laura. And about the system being so, so I will call the system broken and yeah, corrupt. Okay. Fair um, enough. Yeah. Like, it is so hard, and it, and it's actually hard for therapists that are really good as well because they're, they're constantly having to report to insurance, 
that's that's what people don't understand is they have to do these utilization reviews and prove that this person needs more coverage. And the amount of time that takes, the amount of times that it's successful is just not worth it to therapists, um, especially the really, really good ones. Yep. So they say, I, my time can be spent better serving my clients, so I'm, I'm not going to accept insurance anymore. It's like insurance almost pushes them out of the system, the really good ones. So, unfortunately, to find the really amazing ones, you got to go out of pocket. And um, that's another reason we exist is, like, we want to be able to do more than what a therapist does as well, right? So, you're already going to go out of pocket to find a good therapist. Well, you can't have access to your therapist every day of the week because of ethics um, and the, the code that they run by and have to abide by with us, you, the, and the reason we switched to life coaching instead of doing counseling or therapy is, or falling under that umbrella, is that we do have the freedom to reach out to our clients, and they have the freedom to reach out to us. Like, where else are you going to get that? I never had it, ever. And this is where we bring in the hope, is that, yes, like, apologizing for our tears is a big sign of some hard stuff, right? And that's hard to hear for some people. It may be brand new information to them. And there is hope because there are people like us that understand. And when you pay for us, it's the same as paying out of pocket. And you get so much more. You get, you want your family involved? We talk to your family. We update your family. We tell them things that they need to change and do better or whatever. Um, you get so much more for your money than you do with just, like, a once a week, one hour. We're so much more than that. Yeah. Which isn't to say that, you know, therapists are, are all bad, right? Like, right. there's a lot of phenomenal therapists out there. Um, really, just what it means is that, that the reason we chose this route is because of the access that they have. You know, they have access to us. And that's important. You know, like, that's important. It, it, it becomes more, they, they are not a patient, you know, like, like a therapist and a patient, right? That, what that does is that affirms there's something wrong with me, right? There's no, there's, there isn't anything wrong with you, right? Like, you're not a patient. We are equals. We are two human beings fighting this battle of life every day doing everything we can to live the best life we can. And things are holding us back. And we need others to, to help us through that. And an hour a week just doesn't cut it. Right. And, and the, the challenges you have aren't for that hour. They're all outside of that. So, and that's what makes you guys different. You care. It's, it's more that you have friends, not patients, that you work with. And you're available yeah. all the time. Yeah, that's, a, that's, that. that's really true. They do, I mean, we say I love you to our patients, or sorry, <laughs> clients <laughs> and friends, Freudian slip there. Um, well, you know what, it's because we're also programmed to say that, <laughs> but it's not always the reality. Yeah. Yeah, I was kind of really surprised. I'm sorry, everyone. you are not a patient to us at all. You're more like a friend, and, um, you know, I've said... I, patient in a in a really hard situation and they were like 
oh my gosh, I wanted to say that to you so bad, but I didn't know if it was okay. And I was like, yes, it is okay because I do love you and I do care about you um, as, as deeply as I possibly can. And that was back in treatment. They were called patients, right? When, you know, and it, in, and now they are, fr- they are friends. Yep. And so now Laura is able to have a friendship with these, with these people, you know, that are our equals, that are just, again, human beings doing the best we can to live life a day at a time, a moment at a time, to stay in the present and, and to not be alone. You know, yeah. with us, you're not alone. You're not alone. And we mean that. And, and even like when you're done, we have people that, that have quote-unquote graduated where it's like, hey, hit me up if you need one. Like, if you need, if you need a session, hit me up. Shoot me a text. Call me. Like, you are a part of my life. I am a part of your life. We, and, you know, a really huge thing is when, you know, um, every time I actually I haven't had yet, Laura may, I think, had maybe one or two that have said they weren't comfortable with her sharing with me um, certain, you know, things. Uh, a lot of, most of the time, though, 95% of the people we work with are okay with us communicating together. And a huge benefit in that is we have different strengths. So I can come to her with something where I'm like, baby, I, I, I don't quite understand this and what to do with it. Like, I have an idea. I need your feedback, right? And that is another huge um, separator as to what we do, um, you know, uh, so it's really, really helpful. And, and 95% of people agree to that. So it's like, you know, you are, like you've said numerous time, times, getting two for the price of one. And um, two that have walked different yet similar journeys um, that can truly relate on almost every possible level you can you can think of. It's and like, you know a lot of both of our stories. So oh, you know for that. sure. And you've shared them with us in past podcasts. But it's, it's really like you guys are a a life transformation care team, you know, because you not only is it a team, but it's a team that cares. I want to tell everybody, FindingFreedomLT.com is the website for finding, finding freedom, life transformation, findingfreedomlt.com. Guys, great talking with you today. And for anybody, you got to cry. It's okay. It's all right. Don't judge. Nobody will ever, you know, but uh, John and Laura will definitely care about you when, when the time comes and you need some help. I appreciate you guys. Really do. Absolutely, Steve. We appreciate you too. No apologizing for our tears. They're beautiful. Your tears are beautiful. And uh, Steve, you're awesome. And we just love Friday. Like we love Friday. We love getting to talk to you. So thank you so much for your great questions, your intentionality. Um, and, you know, you, you put so much into this and that, you know, you always say that about us and you do as well. And that's so appreciated. So thank you. Uh, well, thank you. And uh, have a great weekend. Look forward to talking to you guys real soon. Okay. You too. Yeah, Sounds you good. Too. Bye. Thank you. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. So you see, son, good manners are very, very important. Someday, many years from now, when you're a grown-up, you'll be a man. And when you are, you should be a gentleman. Do you want me to go through it one more time? Yes. Yes, please. 
Yes, please. Exactly. Always say please, thank you, you're welcome, and excuse me. Sit up straight, hold doors open for ladies. If a door's shut, then knock first. Don't burp, don't swear, don't speak with your mouthful, don't reach across people's plates, keep your elbows off the table. What table? And don't interrupt. While we're at it, don't stare, don't use foul language, don't call people names, but do remember people's names. Always share your toys, play nice, and cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze. On the bus, give up your seat to anyone who has trouble standing. Bottom line, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Got it? Got it. And stop picking your nose. Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. That's 2min2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council.